0: You're listening to Power Women with Vicki Schneps, brought to you by AmitaCare, going above and beyond for you. This is Victoria Schneps, and I am interviewing Pat Domango, our Power Woman. Welcome to our new broadcast of Schneps Broadcasting.
1: I am delighted. Vicky, to be on your show oh really thank you
0: really. so we are both Brooklyn born girls women mm-hmm. pardon me <laughs> and you know uh growing up in Brooklyn to me meant something very special because of the whole environment of growing up in a very protected little world um I grew up in the Midwood section I know you were growing up in Bay Ridge and Dyker is that correct? Yes, mostly
1: I was in Diker Heights, which is really a small pocket in between Bensonhurst and and Bay Ridge.
0: Right. So tell me a little bit about what it was like for your life growing up in that community.
1: Well, you know, like sort of as you mentioned, it was a very safe, insulated environment. And it was pretty... pretty much an an Italian neighborhood that I grew up in. And when I was thinking back on it, knowing that you were, you know, speaking here to me about Brooklyn, I was kind of reflecting back on my youth. And I was thinking how safe it was to be just amongst people who you knew and who you knew loved you and cared about you. And that included neighbors. I mean, we lived in these row homes, one house after the other, my parents bought the first house by the schoolyard so that my mother could watch if I was playing in there. She could come out and check that I was safe. Mm. And each of our neighbors treated us like we were their their, their children or their relatives. Um, I was a picky eater, and on you know whatever night they made macaroni, they knew I loved it. They'd send me a plate. Um, it was just it was a world of comfort and warmth and love and an extended family, which we don't see too much of anymore because people travel. Uh, I remember my grandmother lived two blocks away and pretty much we had, um, we all lived within a two block radius of her. She was like the hub amongst my aunts, uncles, and cousins. And on a Sunday, we'd go to church. All my cousins, we'd go to separate, you know, our separate parishes, and then we'd walk to my grandmother's and all meet there. And on the way, on a Sunday afternoon, you'd smell the garlic frying and the meatballs frying and the sauce coming from people's homes. And we'd go there, and we were once again amongst people who we loved, who loved us, and who knew what we were doing almost every minute of the day.
0: I love it. You know, it's um, most similar to my growing up, except we came from a Jewish home. So the garlic was a little lighter and the, uh, the chicken soup was very heavy. <laughs> so, but I, I wonder how, you know, working, being in that environment affected you growing up. I mean, it was not that often that women were going to become lawyers. How did that evolve? You know that was really something that I think I got from my
1: mother. And you're absolutely correct. Back when I was growing up, women were not in professional fields. In fact, the high schools were divided into regents, academic diplomas, commercial diplomas, and um, and a general diploma. General were for pretty much kids who so they just had to keep in school till they turned the legal age and then get them out. They were problems. Either academically or emotionally, the commercial program was pretty much meant for women. Mm-hmm. All these young women who were going to high school who were going to go right into uh, working as secretaries, receptionists, they were not college geared. They were not uh, they were not being uh, they were not being groomed to go to college. And then you had the college students. Now, the, it's an interesting dichotomy because most of the women who I were friends with were not the Italian women because the Italian girls were the ones in the commercial program. So when I grew up, I grew up very knowledgeable about the Jewish religion and all because my friends the Jewish girls were in the academic programs. Interesting. And my mother wanted to be sure that we, that's where my sister and I were because she wanted us to go to college as well. And it wasn't, you know, what, you know, am I going to college? It was which college will I go to? Yes. And, you know, I think back today on it and I think how so many young women were geared towards uh, these commercial stenography typing kind of classes and really would have d- fared, just as well as anybody else, but their parents didn't push it, and what I got was a big boost from my, my parents. Now, my mother was born in, uh, in Salerno, in Italy, and she actually went to college. She actually spent a couple of years of college before she married, and it was an extraordinary feat by her to be a non-English speaking woman. At that generation and going to school, and there was no doubt for her that my sister and I were going to do that as well. In nope. fact, my entire family education was, was foremost in their minds. My grandfather always had an Italian newspaper in the house, and yet they spoke no English for the most part. We still knew that that's what they expected us to do, and they were very proud of all of our successes.
0: Now, wasn't your father a doctor?
1: My father is an oral surgeon, and, of course, he was part and parcel of this um, push to go to college. But it, you've got to realize, you know, he, he was there. He was paying for it. We never had to work. My sister and I didn't have to work. He was going to make sure that when we went to school, it was all about getting good grades, studying, and going to school. And it was a combination of the influence of both my father and my mother but, you know, as young girls, your role model really is your mom. And it might have turned out differently. I don't know if she were not that kind of woman. But my father would have loved it, as he always says. He would have loved to give his practice over to my sister and or to me. He would have loved us to be a dentist. But neither one of us could accept blood or anything <laughs> like that. And so we ended up in different fields. My sister was uh, was uh, in the education field. She was a, she taught in both New York and New Jersey, and she taught art. She was, uh, because she's creative and artistic, she taught history. Um, She was, that was her forte, and though I started in teaching, I was laid off in the budget cuts, uh, and that propelled me into doing something that I might not have done, which was go to law school.
0: So how did that evolve? I mean, there were many choices. I mean, I was a teacher too, but I stayed a teacher. <laughs> but of course, I went on well, to you know, seven they, other careers. They
1: kept, they kept, they, the thing was, you, and I think you, you can attest to this as well, now there are so many careers, so many career opportunities. People are in marketing. They're in finance. They go into into television and radio and and, and computers. Back then, if you were a professional, you were a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, or a teacher. And so having been the teacher, unable to accept the sight of blood, I really only had one other opportunity, one other chance, and that was to go to law
0: school. So So, it was sort of a default career. Remarkable. But, you know, my first husband was a lawyer, and it wasn't easy starting out. How did your career catapult you to being on TV on Hot Bench now a 6 year running judges show from your judging days I have to tell you Vicky it's
1: an amazing journey with unexpected turns and bumps and the road I mean this was it I when I graduated was well, was one thing I need to say when I was in co- when I was in law school I knew that I wanted to be a judge I knew oh. it it was, I said, I am going to rise to what, in my view at the time, as a young attorney, was the quintessential level of accomplishment. And that's where I wanted to be. Because mo- both my parents, would say, you always have to be the best at what you're doing. You have to rise to the top and be at the top level and the best at what you're doing. It was like a mantra in the home. Yes. And so when I left the um, when I got out of law school, my first job was in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, mm-hmm. in the Kings County DA DA's office. I was there for approximately four and a half years. During that time, I was also assigned as a special prosecutor in the uh, Eastern District as a special assistant United States attorney, and I worked there for a year as a, it was a cross designation. So I worked in both the DA's office and also in the U.S. Attorney's office. And I tried and actually tried a case there as well. So in that time, I worked for many very terrific judges as I mean, I worked, I appeared before many terrific judges and one judge in particular, um, Judge Stephen Fisher, who is now deceased, died very young was an amazing young star. I mean, he was a rising star. He was terrific. And he really honed in on me as, an as a, what he said, a terrific assistant who knew the value of a case and knew how to present it, etc. And when he was elevated to the Supreme Court, he interviewed a number of people, which I was one, and hired me as his law secretary, his law wow. clerk.
0: And it was from
1: there that I actually you know, he enhanced my reputation because he was so bright that people assumed I was just that bright. I was but always, I do
0: think it also I points to know, something are, of having, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And
1: from that point, I, you know, I knew, I mean, I was trying to take the path that people take to become judges. And my parents were very active in the community. My father was very active. My mother did. She didn't work for pay. She did volunteer work constantly for, for the, board, for the school board. She was the longest uh, school board member in history.
0: Oh, I remember. Uh, we gave she, her recognition for that. She got a special yes, honor with yes, our Power Correct. Women of Brooklyn. I remember her. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: And, uh, you know, and my father was always a prominent, uh, well-known oral surgeon in the Bay Ridge community. And between the two of them, you know, they opened doors for me that I might have had more difficulty opening on my own.
0: So what so, would you say, Pat, um, Pat, what would you say in terms of being able to have a mentor to help propel your career? Because I know you were so successful in the Supreme Court. Your picture is on the wall of all the Supreme Court judges. You became <laughs> the administrative judge for the criminal part. And now you got lifted by our friend Judge Judy to be on hot bench. Tell me how that trajectory fails feels it's it's amazing right
1: how somehow just one person can pull you out of a crowd and just make your life change and judge judy shineland was one of those people for me when i was working uh when i was in in as a supreme court judge they had placed me in the bronx to clean up what what they were there was a lot of publicity about a backlog of cases that were languishing in the system individuals who were incarcerated and then they were not moving those cases And so I got a lot of notoriety. I've got a lot of front page coverage from the um, New York Times, from other magazines. Maybe the Bronx Reporter, because
0: now we own that Bronx newspapers. I bet they wrote about you. I'm going to check the archives. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one, uh, you know, one was a page six article and one was a front page article. Uh, That's while I was on the bench. And then, of course, while doing Hot Bench, our show got some front page coverage. So, um, I owe a lot of my career to the New York Times as well because they put me out there. And when, uh, Judge Simon, when Judy was looking to create this show, this three judge bench, she said, uh the, uh, the way she explained it to me, she said, I still have friends in New York. And I called them and I asked, she told them, I'm looking for someone like me, only younger. And I was given your name. Oh, and that's because it. my name was, uh, you know, it, things happen fortuitously, Vicki. I don't know how it happens that way, but sometimes what people view as a bad assignment or a, a difficult assignment will, as you say, propel you right into the eye of the public. And somehow somebody sees you. Recognizes it like Judy did, and and here I am.
0: Well, we are so thrilled to have you on our show, and to be able to talk about you and your success, and now the hot bench success. And we want to wish you years and years of renewals, and may it continue to be a great, great play on television. And I hope you're and enjoying. And
1: what I used to say when people in the courtroom would say, "You know, Judge, you need a show," I'd say, "From your mouth to Judge Judy's ears." I say to you, yes, I want a long career. I love Hot Bench. I love working on Hot Bench. I love Judge Judy. And yes, from your mouth to Judge Judy and God's ears.
0: I love it. Great talking with you, Pat. Have a beautiful week and may the show be continuing to flourish. See you soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Vicki. I'd like speaking with you.
0: Same here. Bye.